I'm Jojo. I'm Bugs. And welcome to our podcast. We bring our sidewalk conversations to your home to discuss love, life, and how they're all wrapped up with faith. Unexpected Hope talks about life when expectations don't line up with reality. Hear true stories when only faith and resilience get you through. Let's go with the flow. Woohoo! Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Unexpected Hope. Now, since it's our inaugural show, Jojo and I will be sharing our stories in the next two episodes, and Jojo gets to go first. So take it away, Jojo. Thank you for having me. This is actually the first time I get to share my story publicly. So here it goes. Um, I'm originally from New York. You really can't hear it from the accent because I've been away from New York for a couple of years now. Uh, but I went to Stanford, graduated with my BA in political science, and I minored in economics. And then I did my MA in communications. And at Stanford, and probably honestly everywhere in the Bay Area, which is where we currently live, there's this untold expectation to do big things. I mean, I felt the need to climb the corporate ladder, be a big success, marry an amazing man, birth 2.5 kids, maybe have a house in Atherton. Um, And honestly, I don't think anyone really verbalized this to me, but I felt in my mind that was silently understood. And I don't know if you know about the duck syndrome. I mean, I heard about this term when I came to California. Do you know what that is, books? Actually, I don't. Could you tell me what that is? So on the surface, everything looks fine. Everything looks great. You look perfect. But as soon as you go home, you're a mess. You're floundering. You're trying to figure out what to do in your life. You just feel innately lost. And in a lot of ways, that represented my life before what I call my disruptive moment. Actually, now I call it my divine moment. So actually, let me back it up. Um, so I worked most of my life in finance after I graduated from college and, uh, I was working to become the director of communications for my current company. And I liked this guy. He didn't like me really. That was kind of the state of my personal life at the time. And to be honest, um, I felt like that was the path destined for me. That was the expectation that I had all along and deep down inside, I felt like my life was in a rut, but I went with it. So Jojo, tell me what happened in March. So this was March of 2016, and I was project managing this huge conference and also concurrently this board meeting for my company that was supposed to be located in Hong Kong. Our office was in Palo Alto, California, and our company just went public. Everything had to be perfect, really from head to toe. And of course, the pressure was so intense because I was the main person that was going to be putting that image um, of our company into the world. Uh, And, you know, we were definitely like proud of our product, proud of our team. And we wanted to position ourselves as leaders in the financial world. So with that, I just was not getting any sleep. I mean, honestly, logistically, I would get home from work, usually around maybe seven o'clock PM Palo Alto time, which was Hong Kong's morning. And I would be really working around the clock making sure that everything was set up in Hong Kong, and then also doing my normal work at home in the Palo Alto office. But I mean, I really felt like everything was going to be okay because the adrenaline is is pumping. Uh, You know that it's going to be a big deal. And I wanted to make sure that um, I did well for my team, for myself. And I mean, I could sleep later. I mean, that was kind of my whole mentality. 
And so there's a lot of rush going on, but I was also commissioner for Mountain View, which meant that I would propose a lot of items to the city council. And in March, they had some huge deadlines around that time. And so not only was I project managing this conference and this board meeting for my company, but I was also delivering a bunch of proposals to the city council. Plus we're also kind of involved in church, me and you books, right? We love to do ministry and, but we're kind of dramatic, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) We were involved in a lot of church musicals and productions like Easter plays. And during that time in March, which was Easter time, one of the producers asked me if I could be Mary Magdalene in the Easter production that year. And of course I said, yes. I mean, number one, my heart is really also to share the word and the gospel. And I said, you know, why not? You know, I, I, I love doing it. I've done it like so many times before. And I thought, okay, well it's Easter time. So yes, is what we do. So again, there were three things that were happening all at once. It was the work stuff. It was the city council stuff. And then it was this Easter production all happening at the same time. So on Easter day, I did the Easter musical. And then I headed straight to the airport to Hong Kong because the board meeting and conference were happening that same week. And because I wasn't sleeping, I was completely knocked out on the plane. I mean, I, I slept for maybe about 14 hours. And I I honestly didn't think it was a big deal, but it became a huge deal because my life was definitely threatened and compromised. And I mean, I don't know if you know this, and I think it's very important for the audience to know this, but ear hostesses and pilots always tell you to drink water, walk around the plane every so often, especially during long flights. And I mean, I was young. I was in my early thirties. I really didn't think that that was an issue if I didn't drink water or walk around on the plane, but it became a huge issue because I developed something called a DVT, which is a deep vein thrombosis. It's a blood clot that was formed in, I think my left leg and it went straight to my lung, which probably should have killed me instantly. But, you know, I didn't realize, but I had a hole in my heart. I mean, all these years, and I didn't realize I had a hole in my heart, which actually became a saving grace. And so the blood clot went from my lung straight to my heart, which, which caused a heart attack. And eventually the blood clot went straight from my heart to my brain, which caused a stroke. So three things could have killed me. It would be the DVT, the heart attack and the stroke. And so I woke up, you know, after my 14 hour nap and I couldn't breathe. I mean, I collapsed as soon as I landed um, in Hong Kong and I spent about three weeks there Um, And with the stroke, the only thing that that affected was my ability to communicate. And so uh, I couldn't read, I couldn't write, I couldn't speak. And here I am on track to being this lead of communications for my company, and I can do any of that. And so I remember my mom, my parents came to Hong Kong to help me with my recovery. And when I went back to California, I mean, I suffered from a deep, deep depression. And the reason why, from my point of view, was... I felt like my life was on pause because you're not working. I'm trying really hard to recover. I'm trying to get back to where I was before I'm doing speech therapy. My driver's license was taken away. So that also meant my freedom. A lot of things that I I took for granted were taken away. And, you know, I had my life all planned out and that completely fell through because I had no clue what I was going to do next. Josie. And and I know this, 
you must have gone through a lot. How did you how did you cope with all of that? And how did you get yourself back on that road to recovery? I remember I was looking at social media the entire time and I was watching people getting promoted, people getting married, people having kids, all these Mm -hmm. things that I really wanted in my life, but I couldn't do that in many ways because I felt trapped. You know, number one, I couldn't actually speak the things I wanted to speak and I couldn't really do the things I wanted to do just because I didn't have my driver's license and I just was trying really hard to kind of like get back to where I was before. And so I ended up leaving social media, I actually got off of social mm-hmm. media. And I, I mean, I will say social media has a lot of great benefits, but just for my mental health at that point, I really needed to kind of get off and just really start to reflect on where God needed me at that moment. Because I do believe, and I, and I know it's true. If you're breathing, God still has a purpose for you. And yes, I was breathing. So I knew God had a purpose for me. So I had to move on and move forward. And my voice came back. My words came back. I started to write again. I went to speech therapy. I wrote a blog about my recovery, which was really helpful for me to write down some of the things that were in my mind and put it on on paper. And that actually, that blog is now being morphed into a book that hopefully will soon be launching. Uh, But I, I shifted my direction in a way that I never thought could be. I also started volunteering at a nonprofit called Functional Neurological Disorders. And that was a really great support network for me. These are people who had um, brain injuries. uh, And of course I could relate to it. Just very, very smart, very capable people who uh, were also kind of like dealing with the same things I was dealing with. And they asked me to be lead of communications for that vehicle. So, I mean, it, it just kind of worked out pretty well. Number one, it was something that I enjoy doing. It was a, it was a support group for me, but it was something that I was really passionate about, like getting the word for other people to understand people behind these brain injuries or or strokes. It was just really a great cause and something that I felt like I could really pour myself into. So, I mean, it was just Mm. kind of interesting sometimes like God kind of like shifts your path into one direction into another direction that he really wants you to go in. I think that's amazing how God directed your path that way. What else did he do? Yeah, another, I feel like more God-driven thing happened. So my pastor, when I was in Hong Kong during the stroke, prayed over me. And of course, I couldn't say thank you at that time. I mean, I couldn't really speak. And so after about six or seven months after that episode, I wrote to him and I just really wanted to thank him for praying over me because it was really the prayers that got me through this entire journey. And so I wrote him a letter expecting him just to say thank you. But his response was, would you be interested in working at the church? And in my mind, like I've never considered working in ministry, like church ministry before, because you're supposed to climb up the corporate ladder. I mean, that's just what I was you know, expecting to do for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. And when he told me I would be working with kids for that ministry, I said, wow, I mean, I've always wanted to work with kids. I've always wanted to see children develop and progress, especially with building up their faith. And I said, why not? I mean, it just seems like the perfect opportunity. So I applied and got the job and that actually became the most fulfilling job I've ever had in my life. And it's just some, sometimes it's just interesting that uh, what you never expected to happen happens and it's everything that you know that you needed. And so um, one of the verses that I've leaned on for 
you know, most of that journey, God's grace is sufficient because his power mm-hmm. is made perfect in my weakness. And again, it really wasn't all roses after that. I mean, it wasn't diagnosed, but I definitely did suffer from PTSD. I was mm-hmm. super nervous about speaking in, in public. And it's very ironic, number one, that I'm hosting this podcast, but I mean, that's truly the, mm-hmm. the work of God that and his strength that's helping me to get through that. I get nervous about speaking in public because I remember stuttering. I remember not remembering my words. In many ways, I felt very silenced in what I had to say. I didn't want to embarrass myself and probably it was a pride issue, but I just, I didn't know uh, the reason why God wanted me to have a voice at all. But I do know that if I'm still breathing, I just feel like God continues to have a purpose for me. And so I just continue to strive and move forward with whatever it is that God wants from me. I I love how God works in such unique ways in each of our lives. Uh, And our journeys truly are different in flavor and experiences, Uh, but it's all leading us toward God. And I think that's just so amazing what he's done in your life and your journey and um, and the journey that you've been on and the adventures yet to come. I'm sure it's it's just going to be inspiring to other people um, and refining and redefining you in the image of Christ. And I can't wait to see what happens next. Right. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, <clears throat> it's really God who's pouring into me and not really my own strength. And that's where I find purpose. That's where I find joy. I got my joy back and I didn't realize I was missing joy until this moment happened. And it's, it's kind of like this enlightening moment of, God is real and God is here and he's with me, you know, Um, and I get very excited about that. What's to come. And I know people get nervous about the hardships that could happen in their life. Maybe use my story as an example. All I can do is just trust in God. You know, there's a reason why things happen, you know, in many ways in my previous life, that's what I call my life before the stroke. I was hiding behind my voice. You know, I was always asked to be the Toastmaster. People would always ask me to say things at weddings, at parties, at work. But after I lost my voice because of the stroke, all of my insecurities started to show. God had to reveal these things to me so that he could take me to where he needed me to be. Um, Now looking back, that makes sense to me. Uh, And I'm so grateful that he allowed me to to see that. Um, I'm just really following where God is now leading me. And I'm walking with God. Jojo, looking back and knowing what you know today, what would you do differently before the stroke? Well, I mean, I was incredibly insecure. I mean, I wanted to please people. I was insecure about my personal life, my inability to have a husband, not have the 2.5 kids. I felt like the only thing I could control was my career. And after the stroke, I couldn't even control that. But I realized my confidence needed to rely on God and what he needed from me at that moment, instead of what other people were, or I felt like other people needed, you know, I was fighting God and, but the stroke kind of made me surrender. But when I look back, I don't think I would change anything because that journey got me through this breakthrough moment. I, I mean, I wish I wasn't insecure. I wish I was seeking God's path, uh, but now I know and understand the power of walking with God Um, because this brings me more joy and fulfillment that I've ever, or I ever could have imagined. Absolutely. And you mentioned that you still suffer from PTSD and, and some fears and insecurities. How, how do you deal with that? 
Uh, I used to run away a lot. <laughs> I mean, in the beginning, I didn't want anyone to know I had, I had the stroke because I was wrestling with how people again perceived me. I mean, I now I pray a whole lot more when I give any speech or, or presentation. I really understand that I'm being used as, as God's vessel. And I really ask God to speak through me now. And that kind of gives me the comfort I need to move forward. Um, I also practice more. I prepare more. I used to give speeches on the fly, but now I just write things down. And, you know, I realize now it's kind of like a subtle reminder that it's not about me anymore, but it's how God is using me to say the things he's asking me to say. And actually just one last thing. I feel so blessed. You know, I have an amazing family. I have amazing friends who've been so, so supportive of me. Um, I work in a nonprofit that helps provide leadership and life skills to children and youth, which is a cause that I feel so passionate about. I mean, I feel really blessed to be living the life that I'm living in right now because, you know, that's where my joy comes in. That's where my hope comes from. And again, as I always say, God grants us new mercies every day. So that's amazing. Thank you, Jojo. Folks, if you want to know more about Jojo's story, her book, It Is What It Is, A Faith Journey, will be coming out soon online. See you all next time on another episode of Unexpected Hope, where I share my story on moving to the United States from India and just living life in the Bay Area. God said that in this world, there will be trouble, but he has overcome the world. To our viewers, life will give you disruptive moments and things that might shake you to the core. But let my story be one of hope. Continue to trust in God and he will work things out for your good. Hold on and watch him do a measure more than all you can ask or imagine. God bless.